Welcome to the Tabletop Submarine, where we dive a little bit deeper into why we love board games. Strap in and prepare for a deep sea adventure. You're your host. Voyagers, people of the earwaves, it is so good to have you here. Welcome to the Tabletop Submarine podcast. We are here, we are live, and I have my number one co-host with me. And that is... I'm Andrew, uh, and today we're very privileged to have a special guest, Will Brown, the Hungry Gamer. You see him all the time with a board game almost jammed into his mouth. We're happy to have him here. Thank you so much. Welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for letting me in, guys. You didn't Thank let you. me in. I appreciate that. I can't tell if that was you eating or drowning. I'm not sure which of the two that was, but that's very thematic of our podcast if you do the drowning episode. Well, you know, it was uh, – uh, I had somebody leave a comment on a video the other day about how – they gave me a stat. I don't know if it's true. 18% of people can't stand the sound of people eating, and therefore that <laughs> cartoon chomp, chomp, chomp at the beginning of my videos greatly disturbs him and that I should – change it and i guess the whole brand so you should become the thirsty gamer and you should start I drinking from them that, instead like like, like, like chalices is equally yeah that's that's a better sound effect oh okay well hey it's more pleasant yeah the thirsty gamer sounds like a very different type of show though. <laughs> i get more subscribers maybe <laughs> I'll, I'll also check out my own things <laughs> that's the next step in board game evolution media is having only fans and we'll call it the thirsty gamer there you go Right. Well, I'm glad that we've derailed <laughs> well, immediately. Oh, absolutely. I was expecting no less. Well, maybe for those who, do, who don't know who you are, Will, who are you? What do you do in the board game industry? I run Hungry Gamer, which is a all-inclusive board game media YouTube channel. And I do previews and reviews. And with the recent controversies, I do not take money for previews or reviews. Not even if it's seventy five hundred dollars, and that would make that would make equal to us. We take no money as well. There you go. Even seventy five hundred dollars. No. Wow. Nothing. Well, someone offered. I mean, I wouldn't say no. <laughs> well, everybody, if you'd like to give Josh seventy five hundred dollars, sponsor for that much money, you will say whatever you want. Um, yeah. Though I do, that said, uh, to, for the full full school, I do do uh, some paid content. I make how to play videos and I do uh, playthrough videos. And th those are sponsored content. But that's for that reason, you'll never get any of my opinions on those because, you know, that's basically an advertisement is what the paid content is, in my opinion. So I do those. And I also do Boards and Brews, which is a podcast, though we record the video also because sometimes people make stupid faces and people like to see people make stupid faces. And we put that up also. <laughs> and that's, I try to do that about every three weeks. I'm not nearly so dedicated as you guys are to scheduling, but I'm trying to do that a bit more often. And then the other thing that I've recently started doing is some uh, solo design work on various uh, Euro titles. It started out just as a uh, fan stuff that I was doing. I really liked okay. Court of Miracles during the pandemic, and I just wanted to be able to play it with more sure. people. So I designed a bot for that. And then I designed one for um, Coloma because the board game Coloma mm -hmm. came with a solo design that I just didn't like. And I'm sure some people like it, but I just didn't like it. I didn't feel like it represented the game 
itself. It didn't feel like you were actually playing the game. So I created one there. I'm going to talk about that in a, just, just a little bit. And then I did some fan-made ones for Guildmaster and for Monasterium. Now, the funny thing about the Monasterium one is mm. I finished it. I was talking about how I did it. And then the designer got in touch with me. He was like, oh, yeah, I got one I'm working on. Here you go. And I'm like, well, crap. Now I've done this one. But since he hasn't published it yet, <laughs> I didn't want to be you know, mucking around about with it, you know, in video form and stuff. But the Colombo one, the interesting thing is they're having a re-release for that, and they have officially decided they're mm -hmm. going to put that into the box. So that's going to be nice. published thing. And as I was joking right before we started, you know, it's it's got a fun so I can get like my $19 I get for it for, for doing it. And uh, that, and it's going to also, I've also designed one specifically for the new expansion material as well. So that is me. And um, you can find me all over the Facebooks, sending pictures and stuff and trying not to be snarky to people. So I, I have to dive into this a little bit because this is very interesting to me. This solo play aspect and having a bot, right? So you design these bots? Yes, yes. So... Usually, so what usually what I do is if I for whatever reason I like a game enough mm -hmm. and I just want to be able to play more, then I will look mm -hmm. at designing some kind of solo mode just so I can play it. And my personal belief is the best kind of solo mode is one that makes you play against somebody. It's not just to beat your score, mm -hmm. even though realistically, when you do these bots you're creating them that they'll score in a certain range in general, okay. you know, like you're playing it against a person. So it's still a beat your score, mm -hmm. but it doesn't feel like that. It feels like you're actually playing in somebody who's making choices is frustrating you and you can't necessarily check sure. what's going on. Um, and because of that, you can then take these bots and like if Josh and I are playing Coloma, which is shines at high player count, we could be like, okay, well, we're also going to put a bot in. Um, I actually, the mm -hmm. one I did for Quarter Miracles, just for kicks, because I was very bored one night, I played against four bots just to see, see if it would work. And it did. You know, I played a mm -hmm. five of a max player count game and against, you know, stupid robots that beat me. So that that's kind of my, my belief in the best type of, of solo. And, you know, some people agree with me. No, I think that's great. In fact, there's a a growing number of people who want to play a board game and don't necessarily have people to play games with, especially those games, like you're just saying, that shine at higher player counts. I actually own Coloma. I've played Coloma. Uh, Coloma does not shine at two people, but if I could add two bots to it and now play it as a four-player game, I think that game would actually come off my shelf a whole lot more. That bot is available on BGG. It's been out. So you can get that bot right now. Okay. You can't get the one for the expansion stuff, but... That's right. That's coming yeah. out. And we'll talk about that in the future. Yeah. So answer, riddle me this one, then we'll uh, kind of do a hard pivot. How come you decided to brand yourself as the Hungry Gamer? Where did that come from? So many, many years ago, before I ever did any uh, board gaming, a friend of mine worked for this company called Yard Barker. And I don't know if it still exists, but it's like a sports mm -hmm. blogging site then yeah. is what it was. That's what it is. I don't know what it is now. And he told a whole bunch of us, he's like, guys, one of my jobs is I got to get people to sign up and do like blogs. So you guys are all doing sports blogs now. And I was like, all right. <laughs> and at the time I was making, I was trying to make my living as uh, a stage actor. And that was where most of my income was coming from. And I was not 
a starving actor because I was working some. So I was the hungry actor. Mm -hmm. And so I had a sports blog, ah. Blogspot, that you could find for a long time with a, with a very inappropriate picture of a dude eating a big old burger. But it's considering a, it was this amazing picture. I loved it. But it just... <laughs> I, in looking back at it, I'm like, eh, it probably wasn't okay. If I was that guy, I'd be upset, you know. But so I was the hungry actor, had this blog for a while. It does, I guess it's saved in Blogspot's server somewhere, but it's all deleted. That's all gone. But then when I was starting doing the reviewing, which I only started because my brother had a game he wanted to design, and he's like, would you make a video about how to play? I was like, sure, but ain't nobody going to watch it. Like, you know, that's not how this works. So I started writing reviews and all that and, you know, turned into the, the, the monolith that I am today. Uh, <laughs> and I had to come up with a name. And so I was like, oh, well, Hungry Gamer, that works. Because, um, you know, I was Hungry Actor, now Hungry Gamer. And uh, God bless my buddy, my buddy Dan, who made the, the logo for me. Because that, that's been a hit. Uh, the the logo and the image it's worked out well yeah it's a bit iconic yeah and uh, it's funny he actually was he's an improv performer and he was at an improv festival in greece just last week and he went to a game cafe mm -hmm. just in the morning like, yeah, he went to a game cafe in the morning to like have a coffee and play a game which i'm like that's cool that's living the life right <laughs> it is and he was talking to somebody and they're like oh he's like yeah i did you make game content and he's like oh yeah my friend does that the hungry gamer i actually designed his logo and the guy was like can i shake your hand <laughs> I love and he it. was like no and he walked away oh wow sorry no that part's I'm not true but i really wish it was <laughs> right that would have been a great end to the story all right he was like for seventy five hundred dollars i need to backtrack just slightly because i'm just going to be the listeners here i need to know so you were writing sports blog was it a specific team or was it specific sport or was it like, what, what was the range that you were talking this blog in? Whatever was interesting, you know, just w whatever I found, found interesting at, at the moment. Um, I focused around uh, football and basketball because that's what I sure. knew the best and was most interested in it. But, you know, anytime some scandal would happen, I'd write about that. Okay. Uh, the last, the very last thing that I did was this one guy decided he was going to do the, the blog Olympics and he had all these different challenges that you had to, that people were doing. Mm -hmm. And it was like, uh, you know, write the most hackneyed article possible <laughs> and, you know, all kinds of, which was really fun. And then like the, the then he just never did the last, scored the last one. So all of us were like, oh, we just did all this work for you for nothing. Mm. Thanks. That was actually the last thing I did before. <laughs> and I was like, all right. You know, my, my buddy, like he'd gotten Marshawn Lynch to do a blog. I was like, you don't actually need my blog anymore. Yeah. No. So, <laughs> Plus, okay. there's no medals, so why bother? Well, there was supposed to be a medal. That was the thing. Right. I was, you know, and I, I, I think I was, I was in the running for gold. Oh, wow. So I'm still salty about that. Yeah. I say that. I said I think. So I may have been the last. You know, I may have just <laughs> morphed over the years. <laughs> well, we're glad you're in the gaming space now where your, your personality and your presence would be very much missed and they have a giant hole in the hobby if you weren't here, Will. So we're glad you're here. Checks in the mail for that compliment. Thank you. <laughs> About time. 7,500, yeah. right? No, 75 cents. Oh. Like, let's, All right. Let's still, come on now. That already makes you the largest contributor ever to this podcast. So there you go. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Andrew. <laughs> wow. 
Josh, oh, like, what? Have, I, have I given nothing to this? Yeah. Have I not spent my own money doing this? Josh, you and I both, but that doesn't count. Yeah, fair enough. Well, you know, that's kind of been, been the, the dream of this. So, like, you know, I don't make money. I mean, I have YouTube ads and I get the how to play videos sometimes, but like, I've created an engine where I can, my hobby pays for itself. Right. And I feel like that's fantastic. Like, I can go to one or two conventions a year mm -hmm. because I will make enough money on the ads and selling games that I'm done with and um, uh, how to play videos and stuff to where I can fly myself to one or two conventions. There you go. And then, you know, I, and then, you know, whatever games I back on Kickstarter and stuff. So that's, I feel like I'm living the dream there. Yeah, that's, you know, my, my hobby supports itself. It's better than most people Great. pull off. So excellent to you. Good job. That's one of our goals, hopefully, in the future for me and Andrew. We want to hopefully put in the work and hopefully we come to the point where we can actually do that and get onto your level. Get onto your level, you know. You're going to be on my level and be like, huh. That's this it? sucks. <laughs> You're going to be like looking around like, huh. Why is the grass brown? <laughs> it's because we're in California. Hey, we had <laughs> rain this year. Thank you very much. Yeah. Good for you. Good for you, yes. Will. You have no idea. Really good for us. <laughs> well, my instruments are starting to go a little haywire, so how about we go ahead and head to a pre-launch and talk what we've been playing recently. The pre-launch. Get to know us and our guests. In the pre-launch, we talk about one game we played recently and how we felt about it. Let's go ahead and start this off. Andrew, you are talking about a game that you and I actually played together. Yeah, 25th Century Games was kind enough to give us a preview version on TTS Access so we could play it. And I wrangled you and I together to play a copy of this. It's called Roll on the Range, the Roll and Write. Um, this is a farming simulation game. So for people who love agri Agricola uh, and want to draw their own farm animals, this is the game for you. This game is interesting because it, it plays with a little bit of this. You roll the dice and then the dice populate the cards. I think what's really interesting about this is how once the cards are populated, the cards that don't get populated get moved to the front of the line for the next round. So it cycles through as it goes. Um, but essentially what you're doing is drafting dice, and there's hate drafting for sure in this game. Draft a die, and then that die dictates which animal you draw and where. So that's pretty much how the game is. There's some combos, stuff like that. If that sounds interesting to you. I think it's a good game. Um, I don't think it's an amazing game. I don't think it's groundbreaking. I don't think it's doing anything like that. But I think if you are new to the roll and write genre or that you like a lighter well, if game. it's farming, it is groundbreaking, right? Oh, I see what you did there. But this is like baby. Ah! Oh, ouch. <laughs> my, my ears hurt from that little ah. Okay. So we, we can't, you clearly can't take Josh anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to interrupt your, your, no, your train there, but I couldn't let that pass. We actually usually encourage breakthroughs and, and interruptions. That's, that works out pretty well for us. Um, yeah, that's why it's a submarine. It's not a train on tracks. It's just kind of floating. It's sinking, more likely. <laughs> well, so, I also, so, when, 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 so at first I was like, oh, you didn't invite me to play? But then you're like, oh, people who love Agricola in this. I was like, oh, my gosh, thank you for not inviting me to that. Because I've never played Agricola. Here's why. So uh, my buddy Bernie Lynn from Dead Alive Games, who you should also have on sometime, uh -huh. um, he told me once, he's like, oh, Agricola's great. I was like, I don't know. I was like, I was like, this sounds farming. It sounds boring. 
And he was like telling you guys, like, well, like, you know, you're like, you're like a peasant and like you're struggling to do anything and you're miserable and you're hungry and you're dying and it's great. I'm like, no, thank you. That is like the heart. That is the best pitch I've ever heard. I am out. Yeah. Uh, I think the nickname it has misery farm is a perfect version of that name. That, that is the official name for me. When I, when I say I want to play it, I have a copy. I, I don't think I bring it up very often, but it's, it's a classic. So I feel like I have to have a copy. So roll on the range. <laughs> <laughs> it's better than Agricola. How about that? Oh, wow. Okay. I, I mean, I played this too. Uh, as someone, it, it felt like it was trying to take the best part of the, Pinchback Riddle trilogy and simplifying it down. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it succeeded. I mean, me and actually Will were actually just talking about Hadrian's Wall with some of the level up guys here just a little bit beforehand. Mm-hmm. I, I know it was, there's there's card play, like there's different cards that come out in Hadrian's Wall, correct, Will? Yeah, yeah, it's it's a flipping right. Yeah, so like this had cards, but also the cards were like trying to be a rondelle like it is in Three Sisters. So it felt like I was trying to take pull different aspects from a lot more successful, in my opinion, a little bit better roll nights. And it played in the same amount of time. So I'd rather just sit down and play three sisters or fleet, mm-hmm. you know, in 30 minutes or something like that. But I wasn't like, I said, it wasn't bad. Mm-hmm. It wasn't bad by any means, but it was just another roll night with some sheep and chickens, which for the record, until you said they were chickens, I thought for like the first 20 minutes of the game, they were angry carrots. <laughs> You know what? It still I, I was works. super. It still works. Yes. Yeah. Segment brought to you by 25th Century Games. <laughs> we love 25th Century. We do. We do. I mean, they're the ones who actually brought the Three Sisters and stuff like that. I'm pretty sure. They, yeah. Yeah, and I really so, like Three Sisters, so I would say Three Sisters is better than Roll on the Range. But that said, they're both really good. All right, let's move on. Uh, Will, what is your game you played recently? You want to talk about? So, and it's actually sitting right on the table next to me, and I just recorded a playthrough for this. This is coming to Kickstarter, I think in July, Fighting Fantasy Adventures, Mm -hmm. which is, I have to assume, based off the old Fighting Fantasy books, um, which I never played. Don't know much about, but I know people a little bit older than me are all about them. Okay. And... It is this adventure game. And so I recorded this this uh, playthrough and I kept saying, I was like, okay, everybody, there's spoilers here. Spoilers. I just found out after I said anything, like, no, 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 that's just a special thing that we made for reviewers. Like, there's no spoilers there. Hmm. You know, it's just our own little adventure. But you have your four heroes and they each are consisting of, this is very great podcasting, but, you know, you, each one is a card and then they have, whoops, and then you throw the card on the floor and then they have like, <laughs> four ability cards and you can get more as you kind of go through and it's a dungeon crawl and the entire dungeon is made up of single poker size cards that are double-sided and one side will have the art on it of like what you find in the room and then when you're done with it it flips over and then there's you know an empty room or however it's been changed and it has your different paths you're taking through the dungeon and sometimes it'll give you a hint it'll be like oh you hear a clacking sound from over there Okay. Go over there and there's a giant scorpion or whatever, you know, or there's a musty smell or smell of sulfur, you know, so you kind of have an idea of what might be there. And it's this interesting little puzzle game. And that's some of the, oh, so then when you go into each room, each room also has with it its own specific like encounter card and you read the one side and it tells you what you're going to do. And it might be a fight. If it's a fight, you go to this very, very simple 2d6 system 
with some uh, tactical positioning that you can do. It just has like a little grid and you can move around who's fighting who. And if you gang up on the monster, you get more bonuses and stuff. Okay. But then when you're done with the encounter, you flip it over and it tells you what's happened. It tells you what treasure you may have found. And it's just this very light, simple, has an old school vibe to it because like there's, it's can be really unforgiving. Like there's in this tutorial, there's a spot where it's like, there are three chests. Which one do you want to open? That's all the information you have. Mm -hmm. So Joshua, which one do you want to open? I want to open the middle one. The middle one. You open it. There's nothing in it. And all the chests crumble to dust. Oh, at least it wasn't a mimic. Ah. Yeah. So, but it's like in that instance, like there's, it just felt so old school. And like, I, I had no way of knowing. Now, when I play when I played through the first time, I yeah. guessed right and I got this really cool ring. And then so, but when I was recording it, since I knew I just rolled a die and then everything crumbled, I was like, Aww. that's a downer. Yeah. It's a cool little thing. As near as I can tell, they're going to like each entire story is, I don't know, the three deck, like 150 cards, maybe, maybe less. Like that's your entire adventure that you're going to be able to do. So I think you're going to be able to get adventures like really cheap, I would assume. I mean, who knows? But it, but you're also not going to play them again. That's the other thing. Like you're not like I mean that's not true. I had fun playing it a second time, but I also knew what was going on. So you're definitely not going to play it more than twice. Right. So it's going to be interesting to me of how much, what the cost is, how many adventures they're going to have, and how easy it's going to be just kind of get a new deck and throw it into the box. So it's a it's a clever thing. I think it'll probably do well. Oh, and it's by Martin Wallace. Oh, well, that's you just buried the lead there. That makes it a whole lot better. But also, I was curious, <laughs> what about the secondhand market? Is this something you can play, play twice, then hand it off to a friend and let them play or make a swap and trade with one of their adventures? Absolutely. Yeah, there's there's no, no destruction of anything, you know, to, to totally trade it around. I assume that the, you know, you'll have to have your own box to get the heroes is my guess. Sure. And the, you know, like the, the player board and stuff. But other than that, yeah, there's no reason you couldn't do a traded round and stuff. Awesome. Um, but it's funny that Martin Wallace is because I don't think there is any rhyme or reason to what he decides to design. <laughs> like none. I feel like he just like, hmm, I'm going to do a dungeon crawl now. Bloop, that's what I pulled out of the hat. Ah, I'm going to do a train game now. Yeah. But I Pull out a ah, skirmish game. Here's Wildlands for you. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. It just. No rhyme or reason to the guy. He's very prolific. But I also feel like that's a strength of his, right? Like he can just explore any place and put out something of reasonable quality, if not great. So, hey, good on him. And I hope he just keeps exploring. That sounds good. And apparently he's going to Origins. Ooh, yeah. Maybe I'll be able yeah, to meet that's him. That's the – yeah. So, I mean, I gleaned this because I was in touch with um, Cassie who – is managing the media. And I don't know exactly what her position is in his little publishing company that he has now. His, Martin Wallace's little publishing company, right? <laughs> his big publishing company <laughs> where he publishes whatever he wants. But she had said some along the lines, Oh, well he, he's getting on a plane soon. And then I was able to glean from that. And a few other things, like, Oh, he's going to be at origins. Love it. So yeah. maybe I'll tell him how to fix his game. I would love to chat with him. And obviously I would love to wrangle him onto the show, but that is a, uh, that is a long-term goal. Maybe we'll make that happen. But uh, before that, Josh, tell us about the game you've been playing lately. I have been on an RPG kick, as I always am, as is my role in the game store that I work at. Kind of one of the RPG guys there. But this is a game that's actually on Board Game Geek, which is odd. 
because it is more RPG, but I definitely can see how someone would want to put it on there as a board game. It's called Fall of Magic. This is by Deercorn, which is, you know, okay, first off, I'll barely leave. Great game. Terrible publishing name. I'm sorry. I don't <laughs> like Deer Deercorn comes off the tongue like old molasses. It's just <laughs> Deercorn? Like Deer and Corn. Like a unicorn deer. Deer and corn. Ooh. Yeah, no, it's 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 uh, let me actually let me get the so it'll it also, it'll okay, eat your so flowers in your flower bed and it will impale you while it's doing it. Yeah, I so the, the the actual name of the puck company is called Heart of the Deer and Corn, spelled D-E-E, D-E-E-R-N-I-C-O-R-N. Okay. I, wow. I don't like it. Dude. I don't like it. <laughs> so, deer and a corn, deer and a corn. Deer and a corn, yes. There Heart of the deer and a corn. Heart of the deer and corn deer and a corn. Oh my gosh. It's not deer in corn. Deer and corn. It's like an Idaho thing. Yeah, it is an Idaho thing. Yeah. Oh, oh, look out. We got the deer in the corn again. <laughs> there it is, a little deer and corn. No. I'm sorry, Nebraska. <laughs> it's okay. We love you, Nebraska. We love you, Idaho. Anyways, beyond that, this is a really fun game. It's a uh, the worker placement storytelling game where you are accompanying the, mag- the magus, the magus, or however you want to pronounce it, in this world to the land of Umbra where magic was born because magic is dying and the magus is dying with it. And so you have this really nice scroll, like a really nice like tapestry scroll that has beautiful illustrations on it. And you take your little coin that represents your character and at different areas of the map, there are prompts and basically it describes areas. So on your turn, you take your coin and place it on one of those areas, describe the area, and then tell a what happens there based on the prompt as below. Mm-hmm. And through this, you collaboratively storytell the tale of you accompanying this mages throughout the land until you get to Umbra where you decide what happens. I gotta say, the, the this is a very well-designed game. Um, the, the tapestry, like the, the scroll is beautiful. It's a wonderful centerpiece. It is absolutely gorgeous. Very well done there. The, uh, prompts are very well done. Like the actual prompts you go there, they're vague enough to where you can leave some room for open interpretation, but also not too vague. And it doesn't provide, it doesn't leave you left in the air hanging for some stuff. So it's really good. Like if, if you're with people who want to play RPGs but don't necessarily want to be like critical role voice actors, this is a good one because you can really just tell this is what's happened, this is what my character does, and have a great time. So my, my play experience was pretty good. I, I think I was able to sit down and teach a group of people how to play this, and I was able to walk them through, and I had a great time. It's, it, was, it was about as good as you can get with a bunch of strangers playing together, mm-hmm. but they were able to create a very good story. And I could definitely see with like a group of my friends who are – a little more experienced RPG is just having an epic time with this. Yeah, not those that losers was... he played with before. <laughs> His friends who know how to game for real. Yeah, us, us, us elite alpha gamers. Jeez, <laughs> all the gatekeeping going on yeah, here. But no, the production value like is gorgeous. I already saw pictures of this. The scroll that unravels and reveals more of the game is just a cool mechanism. I think it's fun. Yeah. And to clarify, I'm not saying like these guys are bad role players. It was more like the friends who I play with we have been playing together for a while, and so we kind of get the groove. This was bringing lots of different personalities together, and that's hard for any RPG you play in one session. And so everybody knows you're not slagging them off. It's just me. I know Andrew gives me this look. You guys can't see it on the podcast, but he gives me this look is like I am so ashamed of you, <laughs> Josh. <laughs> I mean, what I was we like, all I got, <laughs> and he knows like I suck at games, so like <laughs> I'm terrible at games. But like, 
Uh, it's okay. But that was Fall of Magic by Heart of the Deernicorn. Oh, that's, that's just hard for me to say. But Heart of the Deernicorn, hope they make more Fall of Magic. This segment brought to you by Heart of the Deernicorn. Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> Reach out. Well, my <laughs> instruments are ready to go. We have the nuclear reactor. I think mm. I've decided we're going to be a nuclear submarine. Oh. Because, you know, why not? Why not, Andrew? Makes I think that's just not a thing you can just decide when you already have the sub. You know? <laughs> well, it makes a torpedo a little more useful. Yeah, you, you get on the plane and you're like, mm, I think I'm going to decide I'm first class. You just sit there. Like, I don't think that's how that works. <laughs> first class submarine tickets, too, as well. But let's go ahead and get into our story and hand things off to Will. Mr. Hungry Gamer, please regale us with tales of yore. The helm is yours. All right, so the, the prompt I was given was the most memorable game experience. Yes. And I, I was sitting there this morning, and I came up with the, several of them, but I figured I would go with kind of what got me into hobby gaming. Because before this, I had one hobby game, because I was mostly, I had a Red Dragon Inn, mm-hmm. which I got when I was out of the game store playing Pathfinder. And I saw something like, what's that all about? I was like, oh, that's funny. That synergizes with my role-playing game that I am playing. And I'm not great at role-playing games because I always get trapped into feeling like I'm not as smart as my character is from playing like a wizard or something. Like it's going to be like really smart, but like I am not that smart, so... I always fall back to, okay, well, I just have to play something someone dumb. Just really, really dumb. <laughs> and that's all I, you know, which would kind of be fun, but, you know, it's very limiting. But I went to a, local, a very small local convention, which doesn't even exist anymore. Was, I think it was called Celesticon. Okay. And a buddy of mine, a good friend of mine, he loves role-playing games. Just loves them, loves them, loves them. And so I would always go and I'd play Pathfinder Society and then... He was like, hey, there's these other games I want to try. There's a Star Trek RPG I want to do and this other one. And we both got in. I don't know about the cons you guys go to, but as I found at most of the cons, like it's hard to get into role-playing games. Like, yeah, really it hard. is. It's dumbfounding to me, but whatever. So we both got into the Star Trek game. And we go up, we're sitting there, and it was like in this hotel, it was like in a hotel room. They put like a table in the hotel room, mm-hmm. like they pushed like the bed to the side. Like it was, now that I look back on it, it was kind of weird and unsavory. But so we're in, in there sitting down, and I'm at the table. I have a slot, and there was a six people could play. And there was another six people who showed up just in case someone no showed. Hmm. And the guy goes, Well, we got six slots. There's 12 of you here. I got 12 characters. Everybody's in. And he goes around, and so we get to pick our characters first, and he has a whole list of characters, and it's Star Trek Next Generation. And I was like, oh, yeah, you got Barkley? I want to be Barkley, because he had, like, figurines. Okay. I was like, yeah, Barkley, he's weird. That's great. Well, Barkley <laughs> didn't actually have a character sheet. So I'm in the game, but I'm not in the game. Oh, so I had, man. like, generic thing, and we start playing this game, and it is the most boring thing I have oh, never no. been in my life. It was so bad, so boring. And I went to my buddy Max. I was like, Max, you can, like, 
I am miserable. Are you going to be upset if I bail? He's like, no, no, no. He's like, you know, no, that's fine. So I go up to the guy. I'm like, look, I, I'm not feeling this. Like, is it going to upset you? And he was like, who are you? Just exaggerate that. Put a red shirt on and, and beam him down. That's fine. Yeah, right. And I was supposed to be Barkley, you know. But so I just, I bailed. And so I went downstairs and now I'm like, well, what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. Like, what am I going to do with my life now? And I'm walking around and just kind of looking at all these board games. And I was like, what is happening down here? What is going on? And somebody was setting up King of Tokyo. Okay. And I was just looking at it. I was like, you want to play? I was like, sure. And I was like, oh, that was fun. And then I walked off and wound up in a game of Galaxy Defenders, which is a great dungeon co-op dungeon crawl. It's okay. a fantastic game. I Years later, I bought a copy. I played through it. I sold it and then was sad about it. And I bought it again. Nice. Like, you know, I bought it twice. It's over on my shelf over there. Boomerangs and mean you love finally, it. Yeah, it, it's, it's a really, really good game. Um, it's got warts, but really good. And then I played something. I played like Flux and I played all these games before he was done. He was still playing this Star Trek game. <sighs> And he's finally done. It's like 10, 11 p.m. And I was like, oh, I even played a game of Cthulhu Wars. Wow. <laughs> okay. Wow. And won, no less. Nice. And, you know, I have multiple reasons for not wanting to play Cthulhu Wars anymore, but also I won, so I'm done. But I've, you know, I'm not a 1,000 winning percentage. Nice. Right? So we're finally leaving and we're walking out and it's late. And he stops. He's like, oh, over there, that game, that game's called Mysterium. It, it's it's a Polish game. It's really cool. I've heard about it. I'm like, okay. So we went and we were like, hey, can we join? And this was literally the Polish rules. So, you know, but it's all pictures of no Mysterium. Mm-hmm. We sit down. And in this game, one person's the ghost. Everyone's working together to, you know, save the ghost. And we played through once and we're like, wow, that was really cool. And I was like, can I be the ghost? Can we just play again right now? Meanwhile, it's, you know, like 1 a.m. And so we're there, you know, like 3 a.m. playing games. And, you know, I immediately pre-ordered the America, the English version of Mysterium, which was coming out in like a few months and was slowly been getting more and more into it from there. This was a few years before I started covering games. Mm-hmm. So to me, that still sticks out as like the most memorable thing, because like, but for crappy Star Trek game. <laughs> I would probably not be playing games. I would probably still be, you know, playing Pathfinder and stuff and, you know, relatively happy, but not as fulfilled as I am uh, with board games. I have so much to unpack with that story, but f- the first question is why Barkley? Yeah. No, no, that wasn't even the first question. Fine. I'm, I'm fine with that. No. So when your friend came down, he had to give you probably a recap of what you missed. Did the game get better? Did he enjoy not having you there? Like, oh, how did that go for him? Well, I want nobody. It did not matter that I was gone. Okay. Like it didn't matter. I can, you know, it probably got better because everyone got more time, a little more time. But so I asked him about it. And now my buddy, Max, I have over the years, and I blame myself for this because he's a big theater guy. Also, mm-hmm. like he's not—he is a unicorn in that he's a subscriber to four or five theater companies. Okay, like he just—he has enough disposable income, and he supports the arts. He's a board member of place, like goes and sees stuff. But until I started going and seeing stuff with him, and I'd be like. What'd you think? He's like, yeah, that was great. I was like, no, Max, that was crap. 
That was a terrible production. It was garbage. So over the years, over the years, he's become a bit more critical. And he's, he's such a nice, such a nice human. I cannot, one of the nicest people you've ever met. But at the time, he wasn't there yet. And he was like, you know, it wasn't the best. It wasn't the best game. But, you know, it was, I was glad I did it. It was interesting. It was fun, which I translate. It was crap. Awful. Yeah. Damning with faint praise when you have low standards means it's ridiculously bad. Well, it's not so much he has low standards. He just sees the best in everyone and everything. And it's just, I wish I could be like that. That's a very positive thing in life. Don't get me wrong. But yeah. Wow. That's rough. Okay. So didn't get better, which means that you had a much better time exploring all these different games and having a great time doing all that. Um, And I really like the idea of this Mysterium game being Polish and it being a game that you can play not speaking Polish, which, of course, it's language independent and it's a good game. I've already played it. It's great. Um, But I love the fact that you want to play directly after it immediately again. You want to swap roles and you want to do it at like one o'clock in the morning. That's wonderful. I think that's the that's where the magic of our industry is and, and board games in general. So how did that go for you as a ghost? I want to hear a little bit more about how that went. Uh, you know, it was it was great. I don't remember if we won that second game or not. I mean, it was definitely a close run thing. Okay. But what was very cool about well, when I played this Mysterium a lot, I play it pretty much every Halloween, every year on my birthday. We'll have some, some people over will always play Mysterium. Nice. But when you're playing with people that you know really well, you start to be able to dial in, okay. Yeah. I know that when Josh looks at these cards, the first thing he always notices is color. Or the yeah. first thing he always notices, whatever. And so you can start to target that. But when you're at a convention, you don't know these people from beans. True. And so you're just kind of trying to guess and figure it out. And it was a great time. And it could have been frustrating. But it was just, I mean, I just, I had played nothing like that ever. Okay. And this was, gosh, I don't know. Well, whenever the English language Mysterium came out, it was like two months before that. So, you know, whenever that was, that's like eight years ago now, something like that. Yeah, I think I when I first discovered Mysterium, it was the English edition it had just come out and I played it in a convention. Uh, and I think I did play it twice inside of a, an hour. So I think we did play it once and then back to back again the same way. And I thought it was really impressive. Now, I feel like that game really only works in a large group setting. So I've never had an opportunity to play it again, but it's pretty cool. I really enjoyed it as well. Yeah, the and I, we always actually play with the Polish rules, which... The American one adds this like competitive thing, like everyone can win, but then there's a real winner. Mm-hmm. And we just, the original Polish version does, doesn't do that. It's just, you all win or you all lose. I like, think that makes together, sense in that way. Like, it's not like you can win as the ghost and nobody else is going to win. It doesn't, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. So um, we always, and I've, I've played two player a couple of times and that then my wife and I have done that. It's kind of like an interesting um, communication exercise, mm-hmm. right? Like it's, you know, cause we are very different in how we, look at things and communicate in general. And so uh, uh, sometimes we, we actually will, will play that. It's, it's a very fun little exercise of, you know, how do you not know that's what I'm saying? I think that's exactly an interesting way to do things. I, I, I'm a big believer that the best relationships or people that have strongest relationships are when the people are very different than each other. Like you each have different strengths, different roles, different things that you bring to the relationship and together you're stronger than you are as a single entity. And I think that this kind of game can create a better synergy in, in the way that you communicate in the, 
and that is an interesting thing to play. I, I think that's a very cool thing to strengthen relationship by playing a game like this. That's very cool. So you wanted to play it immediately afterwards. What was the, what was the last game that happened to you guys? Like the game you, you played a game like I want to play it right now again. It was just so unique. And then when you're playing the ghost, it's such a different experience. And I did not know that it was going to be available in English. I mean, to, to get the Polish version was like really expensive. Right. Like to get that, you had to find it in Poland, get it shipped, you know. But so at the time I was like, well, I'm never going to play this thing again. Right. Take so advantage while you got do it. do this right now. I want to try it. And Max had said that he had heard it was going to be available in English, but I translated that to mean like years, right. not 35 days or whatever it actually was. Cool, cool. And has there been a game recently that you guys have played that has made you want to play it again? Like, What's been the most recent game that's kind of done that for uh, you? You want to go first, Andrew? Uh, no, no, I got I can let's, go first let's if you guys want to think about it. it. Yeah, you can wait, John. You can just wait. <laughs> Okay, we got stuff. You're right. You're right. I get it. I get it. Yeah. Alpha Gamer needs to be silenced. Absolutely. I've got one that we, uh, my wife and I, we broke out Ark Nova. And the first time we played that one, I'm like, we got to play this again. We played it again. And we said, we got to play this again again. So we actually tripled it that night. Uh, that was uh, three hours the first one and then an hour and a half for the two after that. So we played like six straight hours. That was pretty awesome. Really enjoyed the hell out of that one. So Ark Nova is the most recent one for me. I'll, I'll go with a, a twofer here. There was one. A game called Argent the Consortium, which is this Euro game. It's an older game, but it is, it's a worker placement game, but it is hyper aggressive. Like your wizards are your workers. And depending on the setup, your red wizard might you know be like a fire magic wizard or whatever. Mm-hmm. And if Josh is in the spot that I want, I can send my fire wizard to fireball him and send him to the infirmary. And now I have that spot. <laughs> and Fair. Josh is a witch. It's a, it's a, yeah, and it's a, it's such a fascinating game. Like it just, the stuff that it does, you know, it's information overload because it's completely modular setup. There, the rooms you put out are different depending on player count. The each one has an A side and a B side that's different. And there's all these spells that you can get and all these supporters that you can get. And the wind conditions are different. Every game, so much information overload. But I was like all about it when I first got it. But at this uh, con I just went to, KublaCon, uh, outside San Francisco, very cool con. Mm-hmm. I played it, brought it and played it one day. And one of the people who played, they just, they weren't feeling it at all. And I was like, okay. And well, we finished the game. And I left that night and I got a text from them and said, can you bring that game again tomorrow? I want to play again. And uh, they, they still didn't like it the second time. But I just... <laughs> <laughs> distinctly remember i was like wow that's so cool like we're gonna play this thing because i usually don't double up games at cons you know that time is precious right and the other one is uh asking for troubles which is again euro that shines at high player count like that game plays best at seven um very very quick but it plays well at four and stuff too so i taught taught my wife we played with some other people and then two days later we had our group a group of people for doing a dungeon crawl slowly working through together. I wandered the cult of Barnacle Bay and it was a boss fight night and we just rolled it. Like we were done with the fight in 35 minutes and we're like, huh, well, what do we do now? And she was like, can we play Troubles? And she has never done that. Okay. Ever. Been like, can we play this game? So. Did she ask to be Barkley? How dare you? (laughs) 
That's very emotional. And you are making light of my trauma. Well, it sounds like it's a much better version of a Star Trek game. So you're already upgraded. That's true. Well, it, it is. It's a, if you are going to be able to semi-regularly get at least four people together, it's a game that should be on yourself, especially if you can get like five or six together. Does it fit and 12 you don't have AP. or do you need two copies of the game? Uh, it's not, it, it taps out at seven. Taps ah, out at seven. okay. But like, if you don't have AP, because the game is fun if you just action, 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 if you just go. Like, there's only like three things you can do okay. when you're gathering resources. But if you just go, 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 and you're bumping people off their spots, it's it's very, very fun. All right, I guess we have to hear Josh's now. <laughs> <laughs> Well, friends, so Ooh, this like actually it. happened last roll night. On the range, funnily enough. Well, once I'm not rolling the range, not rolling the range. This is sponsored by 25th Century. Not rolling the range, but no. But um, this was so once a month. Me and my uh, me and my friends at work, the game store, we like to get together and play some RPGs, and we do this after hours. So when the store is closed, so this is at 10:30 p.m. at night, and I didn't get home. Wow. Until around 2.30 a.m. Uh, this morning. And <laughs> I had to get up for work at 5 and 6 a.m. That's besides the point. This is it's totally worth it. We played a game, which th- this is my favorite game ah. of all time. This is Alice is Missing. I have a fun story about that. I'm going to interrupt. Many years ago, a friend of mine, who I uh, mentored a little bit until you know she became an adult, right? But she was in film school down at Chapman in L.A., and she asked me, would I fly down and play a role of the old dude in her student thesis project? Hmm. And I was like, sure, you know, happy to do it. So I went down to that. And the assistant director on that film is the designer of Alice is Missing. Wow. Yep. Spencer Stark. I, mean, really? I haven't stayed in touch with them. You know, I'm that touched them cool. a little bit on uh, Facebook. But and I believe if he's the same guy, he is married to Michael Chiklis's daughter. Hmm. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, so that's my world, interrupting. Small world. <laughs> no, it's it's, it's if it, if you ever have a chance, I would love to connect with Spencer Stark. I love I love his designs, but that's besides the point. But basically, I last night we were able to sit together, and I wanted to teach everybody Alice is missing. This is only a five player game, and there were six of us, so I actually sat out and just facilitated the entire thing. And for those of you who don't know, this is a game that takes place entirely over text messaging. And you do a little bit of world building beforehand, but then you go to 90 minutes of pure silence with only cue cards being flipped over to help you move along and progress the story. This is a masterpiece of a game. It is, in my opinion, almost the perfect RPG. It might be the perfect RPG, to be honest, in my opinion. And... I was telling everybody, you know, this is an incredible game. You're going to love this game. And so we all sat down. They played it for 90 minutes. And if it wasn't 2.30 a.m., they would immediately play it another round. I guarantee you. Like, they were just sitting there, like, in tears, like, oh, my gosh, this was so incredible. Like, they were just gushing about everything that had happened in the game. And, you know, it's it's one of those things I've always wondered about. I was like, what is the secret to making a game make you want to play a game that you can immediately want to play again? Like, is it a personal thing or is this more of a, is is there a secret sauce to a game that makes it instantly replayable? What are your guys' thoughts on that? You know, I, I think it's just, 
it's always about how it hits mm-hmm. usually for me somebody else at the table um it's i mean now i will say that there every now and then there will be a game that i'm like oh i really want to play that again right now and i mean that's often if it's like a quick game right like something fast, yeah. like sure the last you know like a mouse cheese cat cucumber the first time i played that as a whole i gotta play that again right you know like, like right away but for them for the most <laughs> part it's for me somebody else because like i'll play anything over and over again for the most part but when someone else is like that was really cool i'd like to try that again sometime then for for me that that's always what, what it's going to be and it's very much usually i find it will be the game locks into something that they really resonate with yeah whether it be you know like the like the comedy of a game or the a unique mechanic or you know whatever it is that's my thought for me, the secret sauce is I want to play it again because I saw something that I want to do differently and I want to explore, right? So whether it be that I played poorly and I see the way that I could play better and I want to try it based on that, or I think to myself, that's really an interesting space to try to explore. Like what else could they be do with that? What what kind of way can I do a different combo? Uh, for instance, like when I play Marvel Snap and I get a new card, I'm like, oh, how can I take this card? I want to play immediately after I get a new card. I'm like, how can I use this card and create a deck around it and see if I can see how that works and different kind of things like that. When I played Acropolis, you know, I played very poorly the first time. I didn't stack very much. And the second time I'm like, oh, well, I need to try to figure out a way to stack in a more efficient way and, you know, utilize the the getting of the columns and stuff like that. So I think that is the secret sauce for me is how can I see a better way to play? And did I like the game enough to want to invest more time in it. Great. Well, we are really deep down here in this this replayable ocean. You can see the starship. I guess it's Enterprise floating over there with Will shaking his fist at it slowly. I think I but see two as it floats away. Octopi dressed as troubles. Is this a cosplay event? No, you're looking in a mirror. Oh. <laughs> Darn. <laughs> We've got got. Anyways, let's see what's on our sonar and talk about what we're gaming in the future. So, on the sonar, we talk about what we look forward to playing in the future. Of course. And I'm going to just kick this one off here, if that's okay, because I want to talk about Lunar. I'm, okay. 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 I, I hate that this I'm becoming this alpha gamer like stereotype when I, I consider myself a pretty okay guy. Tears. <laughs> oh, just it sounds like you're giving birth. Then. Dude, don't cry, <laughs> Gosh. And you guys also can't see it. Josh has knives on the wall behind him. Like, it is a very intimidating. Very blatant. That part is true. (laughs) Why do you have so many knives behind you? I'm sorry. I have to tangent here. That's okay. Well, these are all knives that I have to do. They all have a story behind them. So, the little blue one is. The little blue one is. My first kill. The second one was my second kill. Third one was my third kill. Fourth one was my fourth kill. Fifth one was my Eagle Scout. And sixth one, <laughs> sixth one was... <laughs> no, they're all just various knives that have sentimental value from either my first Boy Scout knife to my grand- my grandpa, who's now passed knife, and a knife that my dad made me. So if anyone ever asked, I get that question a lot. Why do you have knives behind Well, it's not... That's I mean, why. everybody, it, it's a lot of knives behind him. I mean, I can see, uh, I can see six, and we know the frame goes off. Yeah, and I'm guessing there's at least twelve. There. So there's six there actually in total, but then there's a whole bunch of them 
in another room with my swords that I have. But that's that's you know. That's so what we're saying, everybody, is we're all scared of him. Yeah, it's true. I, you, I mean, if is mm. it better to be feared or loved? You tell us, sir. We're afraid. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am in love with the oh, prospect oh. of playing Lunar Rush in the future. So, oh, hard transition. Well, Lunar Rush is actually uh, your brother's game, Will, that I have been looking forward to playing. I've been researching a little bit about it. It looks like a very interesting Euro. And for some reason, I'm not big on space themes. I don't mind them at all. But I am more big on moon themes for some reason because I like the moon a lot. I don't know <laughs> why pretty. I like the moon. I like the moon. So can you – it's pretty. I mean just looking, I was like, this This looks interesting. It doesn't look like an overly complicated Euro. It looks like everything I'm seeing here makes sense. Can you talk a little more about that? Yeah. Well, and what, well, you will actually, if you want, have a chance to play it at Origins because I know okay. they're going to be there running some demos. Whether or not you got to sign up for it, like I don't know, but I can find out. But so this is interesting. So this game was completely designed during the pandemic. And I know Skippy's going to come on and talk about it, so I'm not going to spoil his thunder. But the things that he might not tell you are, Mm -hmm. and it was all designed on TTS, like the whole thing. Like he never had a prototype until the Dead Alive guys made a prototype. But a lot of elements in this game that make it really work. I like that. Sim- most of the game is simultaneous play. There's a few phases where you're choosing things in turn order. It's like, okay, you, you, you bid, and everyone bids at the same time, and then the highest bidder, and you're actually bidding your points in the game. And the highest bidder gets to pick their route up or down from the moon where you're taking resources and bringing resources back from the moon to sell resources um, for you know more points. But then once you've done that, and you've gotten your goods off of your rockets that you're sending up to the moon, then everybody runs their own little moon base, which is their own tableau building worker placement engine. And then after that, then it's a very brief thing where stuff that reaches the market gets sold, and then you reboot and, and, and do it again for you know, seven turns. But the simultaneous play is there because when he would have my wife be one of the people testing because there weren't that many people to test these games he wanted to do, you know, middle of the pan, the beginning of the pandemic. She was like, I'm bored waiting. And so it became, well, we, what if we do stuff simultaneously? And the same thing when he would get his daughter who, who was way too young to be playing a, a, a Euro economic game. She was like, I don't know, six at the time, right? She can't find, like, dad, I'm bored. <laughs> you know? So, you know, simultaneous play. And originally, there was a couple things in there that were a little bit like trying to take that, um, which my wife hates. And she was like, if if this says take that, I'm not playing. So he's like, well, if I want to keep playing a game, I have to take this out of the game and put that into a different game, which is all kind of fun. But the thing to me that really that I love about it is it is okay an unintentional satire. Because he did not design it as a satire of capitalism. But he created a -hmm. satire of capitalism. Because let me set the stage for you, right? It's like, I don't know, 2149 or something like that. I don't know. And the world is controlled by four major corporations right now. Well, yeah, Yeah. right. So that's not satire. That's, That's future, right? But on the moon... They've discovered these two new elements, okay. a, a metal ore and like these crystals. And so what are we going to do? 
We're going to rip the damn moon open. We're going to pull these things out. We're going to fly them back to mm-hmm. Earth and sell it Sounds to rich right. people who yeah. don't need it. Right? You're selling stuff. Right? But even even along the core of the game, so you start with 25 giga credits, they call it, you know, space bucks. And it's like, well, yeah, because you got to, because you went on like future, uh, future, uh, future space shark tank, right? And future space Mark Cuban like gave you the seed money. So now you're into it, but you have to spend that money to buy your rocket. You got to spend money to make money, right? So right there, that's more satire of capitalism, right? And you're going up and you can send workers up. You can send more workers up to your moon base, but you can't put two of them on these long rockets that go up or three of them. You only put one because, you know, nobody wants to be in the middle seat, right? You can't do that. So only one's going to go over the time. You get them up to the moon base. And not only have the future space unions decided that you have to mm-hmm. pay your workers, because you do, you got to pay them. You have to have a place for them to sleep when they get okay. to the moon. So if you don't have that built, you got a problem. Not only do you have to give them a place to sleep, you got to give them food, right? The future space unions are very strong. And you know what happens if you don't feed your future space worker? They die. They die, yeah. right? They die. Do you know what happens when one of your future space Their workers body dies? body floats off. Oh. Lawsuit. Oh. Lawsuit. Oh. <laughs> you have to settle the lawsuit because mechanically you lose 15 or 25 space bucks, which is basically wow. you had to pay out a lawsuit. Like, it's just all through this. I started, I was like, Steve, did you realize you made a satire? He's like, I did. You know, he's like, well, no, because, you know, those mechanically, it's so interesting because you're coming down and you got the slow thing and the long thing. I'm like, no, Steve, you made a satire. So it's anyhow, it, it's a, I think it's a very, very fun game. I hope you get a chance to, to play it at, uh, and, you know, talk more to him about the mechanics. I don't want to steal, steal his thunder. I just have to interject for half a second and just say, it sounds like he created Lunar Gricola because you got to feed your workers every round. Yeah, but it's not it's not moon misery. Like there's no misery. Like, you know, <laughs> you, you, you really got to be a putz to not be able to feed your workers. Oh, and the, the other thing that you could also do, I forgot about this, like <laughs> when the worker gets there, like you don't have to have a place for them to sleep when they get there because you put them right to work. They get off the, the rocket to the moon. You're like, go to work in the factory. They just Josh. need a place to sleep when the day ends. Okay. Josh, go build a building for yourself to sleep in tonight because if okay. you don't, you're dead. Okay. Literally. Yeah, fine. Okay. But also, like, this is thing. It's like, oh, gosh, I don't have a place for Andrew to sleep tonight. He's going to die. Uh, <laughs> hey, Andrew, go, go get on that rocket in place of the crates. We're going to send you back home. <laughs> you can just send them back sleep home there. Again. Yeah. Well, that's Little Rush. If you, if, you're, if you win at Origins, hopefully you saw it. If not, I'm sure there'll be other opportunities to play it. Andrew, what are you looking forward to playing in the future? So I got uh, in the mail about a month ago the Pursuit of Happiness big box, essentially what the game of life should be. Uh, And this is a card playing worker placement game. I don't even know, but I've been very excited about this. I love the idea of this. I love the stories that come from it. So this is what I'm looking forward to playing. Will, what do you got looking up? So I got coming up. I just found out that it is shipping probably when I'm at Origins. Tales from the Red Dragon Inn. This is a dungeon crawl based in the Red Dragon Inn universe, which is, for my money, the best pure take that game you're going to find. Pure mean, pure take that. But what they did in that game is they made these incredible characters that come to life through just little bits of flavor text and art. Mm -hmm. And the core of that game is it's after the adventure and you're gambling and drinking in the tavern. 
Right. But this is, they're going off on an adventure, and I got to preview it just on TTS, and then they sent me a copy of, the, the only copy that exists right now, or now they're all on the boat, right? So more exists. But <laughs> at the time, the only copy that existed, they sent it to me, and I made a playthrough of it, and got to play through a whole, whole bunch of scenarios. It is a top-tier light dungeon crawl. It okay. is one of the best lighter dungeon crawls you will ever find if you like something that's wacky and zany. Because, like, it's real wacky and zany, you know. But it's it's fantastic. I have made a ton of content on it. I'm very excited to have it. Excited to paint the minis. All that. Awesome. So that's Tales from the Red Dragon Inn. Well, we've been down here for a while, friends. Let's go ahead. Let's shoot up to the surface. And we'll let Will go so he can continue his hungry gamering. Well, Will, we know that you're a busy guy. Thank you so much for taking some of your time to come on our podcast and to you know, talk about games and talk about stories. If people want more Hungry Gamer or Will Brown in their life, what can they do? Well, first they should re-examine their life choices. That's number one. Yeah. If that's what they need. In that, that's life. a given. Yeah. But, but the easiest way is you can find me on YouTube. That is where most everything I do is. And just very simple to search Hungry Gamer. And if it's not a picture of kind of i don't know what that art style is called like it was originally an actual picture and he like cartoonified it yeah. whatever that is you know that that movie uh, scanner darkly from like back in the day like that kind of style anyhow i'm dating myself everybody it's a deep cut that's a real deep cut <laughs> I about to say you're aging <laughs> but, yourself well <laughs> yeah like you know ch chomping on uh on a board game box that is me you can also find me on facebook just uh you can search at hungry gamer reviews pop up on facebook and once you realize that you say i am all over the various Facebook forums, posting pictures of games. I'm also on Instagram, but mostly it is on YouTube. And you can find me there. You can become a channel member if you like, which is like Patreon, but for people who are lazy like me. That is what <laughs> YouTube channel members are. Because it's right there in YouTube already. Awesome. Well, Will, thank you so much again for coming on the show and sharing your story. As always, my name is Josh. I'm Andrew. And I'm hungry. <laughs> and this has been the Tabletop Submarine. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to support the Tabletop Submarine podcast, please consider giving us five stars on iTunes and share this podcast with your friends, family, and other gamers in your life. See you on the next voyage.